This is A Drink with a Friend. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. And I'm Seth Haynes. Seth, what you drinking this morning, this afternoon, whatever we're at? I'm a little, I, I, I'm a little bit miffed today with my drink choice okay. because I'm drinking Ozarka water, and <laughs> and you've heard you've heard their jingle, haven't you? Mm, it goes like this: I didn't know they had a jingle. Ozarka water, the water that's definitely not from the Ozarks, proudly Texan. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. They, they, it's this is a Texas brand water, mm-hmm. but they appropriate. The name of my region, the Ozarks. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, why is it even for sale there? I don't know. It's a really great question. Um, but the source, evidently, is the Piney Wood Spring, which is in Wood County, Texas, mm-hmm. and or Moffat Spring, which is in Walker County, Texas, and okay. or <laughs> Roar Springs, which is in Henderson County, Texas. And mm. still, they insist... On using the name Ozarka. Now, perhaps it's because the there's some Native American tribe that was from mm-hmm. here down to there, and maybe they're they're appropriating that name, but that doesn't make it any better. I don't think it is, but um, the weird thing is, I, I know nothing about any of those counties. I have no idea where they are, but Piney Woods refers to East Texas, which is about the flattest part of this. Well, almost the flattest mm. part. It's the lowest part of the state for sure. So okay. I think of Ozarks as like hilly. And so it's, yes. it's sort of the opposite Mountainous. of this. Yeah. Yes. I th- And I think when people think of the springs that bubble up in the Ozarks, right, they're thinking of pure water, fresh water, clean water. And so what a great <laughs> name, right? But still, yeah. like, man, Ozarka, get your stuff together. Don't put proudly Texan under Ozarks. Just don't do it. Don't it, do it, y'all. This is this is hilarious to me how important it is to you, but I also get it because when I think of other things about like how people um, call things Tex-Mex when it's clearly not Tex-Mex and it makes me ragey when it's not a yes. big deal, but it, it is a big deal. So I get it. I get it. Well, let me let me just also ask you this as a non-Texan, and you're a Texan, so I can ask you this. Don't you guys have enough stuff already? I know. It's a little obnoxious. Like, like we, we're already basically our own country. I mean, some people literally claim 100%. that we still are, Republic of Texas. So right. it's a little bit ridiculous. I, I totally yeah, like, own up to you, our obnoxiousness. Exactly. Don't take my yeah. stuff. Have your own stuff. <laughs> your own stuff's awesome. I know. We have a lot of good stuff. Mm, that's uh, my rant for mm. the day. I would love to All hear right. any listeners rant. And, and on this very same topic, and by the way, if any of the good people from Ozarka are listening, feel free to reach out to me or sue me for slander. I'm just really yeah. not happy about this today. But I will say this. The water is delightful. So okay, 601, I, I guess you win some, you lose some. I don't know. Whatever idiom yeah. you want to throw in there. What are you drinking today? <laughs> I am channeling my inner Texan with my H-E-B sparky water, um, but I'm doing my mocktail. So grapefruit, sparky water with apple cider vinegar and a squeeze of lime because I want to be fancy on a Tuesday at 1130. Um, we're going to the water park this afternoon. So I guess I'm like just oh, psyching boy. myself up. I don't know. I'm, this is our way of, um, I guess assuaging our insanity for living in Texas during the summer because we're having an enormously hot summer already. Like it's been 109, 108. And normally we don't get that till like August. And so the fact that it's already June and it's this hot, um, we have we basically dealt with that by buying 
a season pass to a local water park. Um, not because we're like huge water park people, but we are huge not dying in the heat people. And this is yes. maybe a way to do that. So we're what going again park? for like the fifth time this year. It is not exciting. It's called Typhoon, Texas. It's not Schlitterbahn. Okay. It's it's local. It's 20 minutes away. And we can like go well, for an hour and then come home. So maybe that's what yeah. Ozarka should change their name to Typhoon, Texas. I mean, yeah, see, what Texan would buy way. that water? <laughs> We're obnoxious I mean, again. We have to include our yeah. state name in every little thing we do. Anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Rant Seth, over. Uh, the, the thing we were thinking of chatting about for the next couple of weeks is our wind down of our six-month habits. I can't believe it's already mid-2022 already, but it's Crazy. time. And so you are nearing the end of your, your social media fast. Um, yes. How are you feeling about it? Um, I'm ready for it to be over. If I'm being honest, <laughs> isn't that funny? Things that you never thought you'd say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll give you my top level, uh, thoughts. I feel pretty, I mean, I feel pretty good to be honest. Um, I do miss social media and we can kind of tackle some of that. Um, but there are little things that I don't, miss at all actually they're not little things at all they're very big things so for instance Mm. last night we were watching a show as a family and um i had zero desire to like pick up my phone and look at it and scroll or do anything you know sometimes in a dead spot in a show or when somebody will get up to go to the restroom or pop a pop a bag of popcorn or something like that uh you know you pause the show and the person goes up to do their thing and then what does everybody do they reach for their phone right yep yeah, I had z- zero desire last night to do that. And and part of it, I don't know how long this has been a reality for me because I frankly didn't pay attention to it, to it until last night mm. when I was thinking about how's this last six months really affected sort of the way I, I interact online or interact in social media. Um, and Ian went to go grab a popcorn bag. And when he did, and I didn't reach for my phone, I thought, oh, there's one way it's impacted me. That's a very positive sign. Um, So I feel good about that. I feel more present for the most part in my house Mm. than I have in years. Um, I, I have read a whole lot more, which we've talked about before, but in the last really probably six weeks, I haven't read nearly as much because uh, finishing some work, a work project that I hope will finish this week, but it has allowed me to be way more focused, way more focused Mm. on my work. I'm not nearly Mm -hmm. as distracted. Um, So I think on par in general, uh, I feel pretty good about it. And I feel a lot more clear, clear headed um, right now, which has also been a, a really, a really big positive. So I have a question to ask related to movie watching. Do you ever feel the compulsion whenever you're watching something and you think, okay, where have I seen that guy to go to IMDb and start looking up that actor's deal? Oh, yes. And I still do that. I still do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I mean, those are the things like when I talk about social media. So one of the Mm -hmm. things that I think is really important to understand is that there's, there's a difference between technology as a tool and technology as a distraction. Um, yes. and, and I am one of those people who like when a question gets lodged in my head, it's really hard to shut it down unless I answer the question. <laughs> and so even last night I had some of that, like, Oh, where's that yeah, actor? Yeah. 
actor from and and so yeah sure i pick it up type in the name follow you know the the cast photos and figure out where the where i've seen that person right. before like but that's technology as a tool right it's it's wholly different than if I picked up my phone and went to Twitter and tweeted, "Hey y'all, where have I seen you know actor <laughs> X yeah. before?" And then I sit there for the next ten minutes navigating conversations about the show I'm watching. Like that is not being right. present. It's a wholly different uh, way of using technology. Well, I'm actually really glad you mentioned that because I have next to me a book that I was going to ask if you've read. Um, Andy Crouch has a new book out from this spring called "The Life We're Looking For." Have you read it yet? I have not, but it has been recommended okay. to me by many, many people. It's fantastic. I'm about three-fourths done, so I think I should finish it today or tomorrow. Um, I really like Andy, and I like the way he thinks. I like his thoughts. Um, the subtitle is Reclaiming Relationship in a Technological World, so it might be a really nice read like as you ease out of your fast, just a thought. Um, but there's a chapter yeah. where he's talking about um, the chapter. Chapter 9 is saying, From Devices to Instruments. Uh, truly personal technology. And what mm. he says is that, you know, these things that are in our pockets, if we treat them like instruments and not like devices, then they become things that help us be more who we're made to be and not take it away from us. Um, his He says here that every technical advance in human history has been born on the wings of two promises. And I won't get into a lot, but the first one is now the idea of now you'll be able to Meaning like, you know, now you'll be able to write on parchment or now you'll be able to harness yeah. wind for electricity. And then the second one is you'll no longer have to. So you'll no longer have to walk five miles to the river to collect water because there's a well in your village kind of thing. Um, the problem is that our technology, when we treat it like a device and not an instrument, is uh, the two wings are you'll no longer be able to. Meaning like concentrate and stay like with your family when you're watching a movie. Um, and the other one is now you'll have to. So like now you'll have to be beholden to, you know, a technology company that's going to like barrage you with ads or now you'll have to constantly yeah. upgrade your device if you want to be able to still use your apps. Anyway, so that's what makes me think of what you said, like using things as instruments and not devices, which makes me then ask you the question, like how do you incorporate social media so that it's, these things stay devices and not devices. Yeah, this is um, Cal Newport's book about uh, technology. It, it, mm -hmm. it makes the exact same argument. I mean, his argument mm. is when we began using the internet, the internet was a tool. Um, and, and then along the way, we developed these uh, ability to carry, carry around that tool in our pockets and then we used those uh, tools, not just as like to carry around our pockets, access to the internet, but also to interact with people. And at some point, those things became distractions. And so he argues for, an, you know, digital minimalism, which is the title of his book, right? So he's right. arguing that we are in a place where we've all gone to digital maximalism. We use <laughs> the device in our pockets for more than just a tool. Um, and mm -hmm. in fact, um, we become the tool, right? Because our attentions mm -hmm. are commodified and, um, and, and we become the thing that Twitter needs to survive, right? And so he also recognizes in that book, and I think rightfully so, um, that some people, good, bad, or otherwise, 
simply have to be on the internet. They have to be on social media for purposes of, yeah. at least for now, for purposes of marketing or doing their job or or whatever. And <laughs> it, here's here's a great example uh, and, and something that I actually have missed a lot about not being uh, on Twitter. The amount of news that you can get from really good journalists on mm-hmm. Twitter is is off the charts. Um, I was telling yeah. Amber today, even there's this um, particular economist that I follow. His name is Muhammad Alarian, and I love him. And I told her because one of my my youngest uh, Titus collects basketball cards, and he takes his like best basketball cards and he puts them in these little sleeves, right, so that they don't get mm-hmm. you know wrinkled or crinkled or whatever. And I told her today, um, if I had economist playing cards, I would take uh, Muhammad Alarian <laughs> and I would put him in a sleeve. Like that's how I feel about mm. this guy. Um, sure. And he gives such great information on Twitter, such great links to articles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, drops his own thoughts every now and again. Um, and I actually miss Twitter as a tool to go find what is influencing his thinking. Um, I miss Twitter as a tool uh, for discovering news that I otherwise wouldn't discover. I miss Twitter as a tool for finding out, you know, I mean, Amber asked me yesterday, did you know so-and-so just dropped a new book? And I was like, no, I had no idea. The only way I would have known that would have been to be on social media. And it was somebody I genuinely enjoy reading. And so it would have been nice to have known, hey, so-and-so dropped a book. So, Again, how do you use it as a tool? I think, um, and I can't remember his steps, but in Digital Minimalism, Newport sort of sets out this series of steps. And Mm -hmm. and essentially, it comes down to this. He says, set your parameters. Don't violate your parameters. Know why you're going to use it, right? Like, don't Mm -hmm. go to use social media because you want to distract yourself or numb yourself. Use it for a particular purpose write out that particular purpose and don't deviate from that particular purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was curious about that. Like my next question was going to be asking you kind of app by app what you missed. And so I was really curious about Twitter in particular um, because you've relayed exactly what it is I like about Twitter compared to other social media platforms that when used well, it can actually be a legitimately valuable resource for continuing education and for being informed about the world. Um, Used like unwell, (laughs) used without restraint, and it can become a breeding ground for all sorts of ideologies and affect your mental health and your mood and your stress levels and all the things. Um, And it It reminds me again of a quote that Andy Crouch quotes of Steve Jobs in the early 90s. He called the idea of having a personal computer at home a bicycle of the mind. And apparently Mm. this is a concept um, espoused by a lot of tech gurus um, saying that that's what we're doing with all these apps and with these phones that we're creating bicycles for the mind. But what Andy is mentioning or what Andy is basically proposing is that we're a bicycle is a great analogy. You know, Steve Jobs could have said a car or a, a bullet train yeah. or a plane, but he said a bicycle because um, it still requires a lot of human power, right? You still have to pedal. You still have to, you have to be fully aware. The bike has to work in tandem with the user. And, and that's when it 
works well. Basically, a bike helps you go a few miles faster than if you walked, but it doesn't you know, it's not one of these things where like in a rocket, you push a few buttons. I mean, I don't know how a rocket works. Let's just say a self-driving car. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he is saying is that the way social media and technology in general is now without intentionality is it becomes a self-driving car where you just push a few buttons yeah. and let it take you wherever it wants to go. And so I think they're saying the same thing in just different ways. It requires serious intentionality, such as using lists on Twitter instead of just your feed being really specific about who you follow. So I'm curious if you've come up with like your parameters then for how you're going to come back. Yeah. I mean, I haven't need the truth is on Twitter and and I I think it's different for me for every, for every platform. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'll just like say that first Yeah, for Twitter. I haven't set those parameters yet. I mean, Twitter is a place that I do want to allow myself some, latitude for mindless scrolling. I don't know how much that is. It's, you know, certainly not 30 minutes a day. Um, Mm. But I think there's a thing, and this is maybe more my personality than anything. I don't know, but I am sort of a data vacuum, right? I love to Mm -hmm. like take in as much as I can to sort of process what's happening. And so when I can get on a platform where I'm seeing thoughts in live you know, li- you know, live stream for lack of a better term on any particular topic. Um, it really actually helps me sort of refine my own ideas. And so there, I do want to leave some space in there uh, for that. What I don't want to do is probably more clear in my mind. So I don't want to scroll 30 minutes a day, period. End of story. Mm. I don't mm-hmm. want to get sucked into even a five minute rabbit trail about the current outrage du jour. I don't care about mm-hmm. that. I don't need to know. I don't want to know. And I don't care about what Christian influencer said the smartest thing yesterday or the dumbest <laughs> thing today. Like, it, yeah. I did, simply don't care. It does not move yeah. my needle. Um, what I do want to know about, you know, like, there are things, um, you know, like the 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 SBC abuse scandal, right? Mm-hmm. I missed I missed all of the information about that that was coming out on Twitter, um, and there was a part of me where I was like, I I do want to know what people are saying about that. I do want to know what's sort of happening in the Twitter sphere. I don't want to go on mindless scrolls forever, um, but you know, by the same token, it is helpful to know who's been hurt. What are people saying? How is this playing out in the media? Right. Yeah. Um, the, the, the school shooting in Texas was another good example. Like I don't want to go down a, you know, hours long rabbit trail of, of, you know, uh, grief and, and all these things and, and political posturing and all that, but it would have been helpful to know what were, people and politicians and whatever saying like in the moment. I, I do think yeah. some of that stuff is is valuable. So I'll say my parameters around what I don't want to do are a lot more clear than what I mm-hmm. do want to do. Um, yeah. And I definitely think I'm going to prescribe my, my Twitter experience to a, a very limited amount of time a day. Yeah, that's good. Um, I will also say, and I don't think this is an issue for you at all, but maybe for others listening that because Twitter can be so polarizing, um, it's always helpful to remember to go on there um, 
remembering the 3D-ness of people. I guess just this idea that people contain multitudes, that because Twitter's format of being 280 characters, it can come across like this is the bulk of everything I need to know about this one person from this one tweet. And that's just not yeah, true. And I know right. we all know this, it's but not. it's easy to forget that sometimes. Um, yeah. I had an issue recently, and I'm going to keep this really vague because, you know, not disparaging anyone, but I had someone reach out to me, someone you know, uh, a mutual friend, quote, concerned because I I didn't even know. I completely forgot that you can like see what people like on Twitter. That's not even a thing I, I, I think about. Um, that there was like a private group somewhere that was watching what I personally was liking on Twitter and was thinking, oh, her account must be hijacked because she's liking certain tweets from certain types of thinkers. I'm leaving it vague. And, you know, my initial thought was, what in the world? What are they even talking about? So I went over to my likes, which I didn't know I could do. And I look and it's like very benign stuff about like, gardening or whatever. But perhaps because it was said by somebody that if you go to their feed, overall, you can see, oh, they lean a certain way. And maybe I don't really agree with their theology or their whatever. But it's it's okay to entertain ideas from a wide swath of people and thinkers. And it doesn't mean you can know everything there is to know about somebody based on what they're consuming. So I just say this generally to say, like, give people lots of grace <laughs> with these like huge yeah. platforms where it's sort of the town square, um, but you don't necessarily know all the people. And that's that's the real, I guess, danger or issue with social media is you think you know people when you really don't the same way you would over a drink at a table. Yeah, yeah. And that's absolutely huge. And it's, it's huge to remember, too, that, um, you know, people are not binary. They're not black and white. It, this is not, you know, you believe this about this one thing, ergo, you believe this about mm-hmm. all things. Right. Um, and I, I think we live in a really weird, you know, time when the assumption is that because you support someone on one thing, you're going to support them all the way on it everything. Um, <laughs> yep. There's a thinker that uh, that I really appreciate and that I really love and think has done some really amazing things. And recently uh, there was a scandal around an organization that, that this you know person was sort of involved in or is involved mm-hmm. in and it kind of heads up. And I was immediately you know, contacted by a friend to say, hey, what do you think about this? Are you going to support him anymore? And I was like, whoa, you know, first of all, the, the, the this thing needs to play out. Like we need to understand what are the parameters, what are the facts, what are the realities. And second of all, I, I've never retweeted the person that I know of. I've never liked mm. anything the person's tweeted. I've just had a private conversation with the with this this person who reached out to me, in which I said, "Hey, you may read this book. It might be really helpful for you. Or you may watch this. It might be really helpful for you." Um. Mm. So it's really interesting how we live in this time where you have to make such hard and fast decisions about is a person in or out. And that, I think, is some of the worst uh, of what social media has done to us, particularly Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the takeaway is like embrace the good part of that, the good that you can see what a particular politician thinks, let's say, that you 
mostly vehemently disagree with, but you can see like one thing about them or a couple things about them that provides humanity uh, to their avatar. And so you remember that, okay, this, I'm, I might not ever vote for them, but I can see that they are, you know, a husband and father with five kids who cares about, I don't know, fishing. Um, and that counts for something that counts for yeah. something in our souls, something in our minds. And um, that's when it's a good thing. So I'm curious, right. the, you know, the, oh, there, there, before you go into your curiosity, I do think that yeah, yeah. there are, there are things that, you know, you just have to be wise about. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there are thinkers I do not want to be associated with. Period. Sure. Even yeah. if I agree with some of the things they have to say, don't want to be associated with them. And so I'm mm-hmm. simply just not going to like their stuff. I'm not going to interact with them. I may still listen to them. Doesn't mean that I don't roll their content around in my mind. Um, but I'm certainly not going to go out promoting them. Right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm certainly not going to go out, uh, y- you know, like saying, hey, you know, here's a thought that I've been thinking about vis a vis this particular individual. Um, so I think that there just needs to be a lot of wisdom too, because we do live in an age where people are watching what you like. And that may be weird, yeah. but it is what it is. Yeah. It's very weird. It's, I would argue, unhealthy, but it is what it is. And um, yeah, prudence wisdom, charity are all required virtues in navigating the landscape that is social media and I would say Twitter in particular. And so I am curious, Seth, because you have said before um, that you prefer Instagram over Twitter in general. And do you still feel that way? Do you still miss Instagram? And if so, in what ways? Yes. Yeah, I miss Instagram a lot. Now, I will also say that I, um, Amber and I were talking about this last night and her feeds changed significantly even in the last six months. And, mm. um, and I, I have confession. I have popped on Instagram, not mm. a small amount during my six month break, not to post, not to comment. Um, but because I do get DMS through, uh, Instagram. So, um, so, you know, I probably, twice, three times a week do have a DM that I have to answer. Um, and there are a couple people like, for instance, at my gym, that's how we communicate is, is literally through Instagram. So, so as a communications tool, it's great. What I miss about it is the beauty. I miss seeing new photographs. I, I miss my favorite accounts. There's one and I can't remember the name of it cause it's been six months. Uh, but there's one that's kind of like, um, just amazing things in the world, you know, like travel mm-hmm. stuff that's mm-hmm. amazing through the world. Um, there are food accounts I follow. There are obviously photographers I follow. Um, they give me ideas about new ways to look at things, new ways to take f- photographs, uh, new ways to just see the world around us. And I really miss that. But mm-hmm. what Amber was saying is that um, a lot of her Instagram feed has now moved to screenshots of tweets or yes. you know, notepad notepad screenshots um, that are some sort of like political uh, take hot take on the day. So it's being used more like Twitter and, and, and I am not there for that. There's um, a person who ran a podcast that years ago asked me on their podcast. I went on um, while I was promoting a book. Uh, It was a good podcast. It was a great interview. I felt like it went well. Um, And then about a year and a half ago, just that, person took a hard turn um into politics and is now like all in on the you know 
<laughs> you know, double check before you get vaccinated and, you know, the election was stolen and all this stuff that just makes me want to scratch my head and say, what is happening uh, in the world around us? And, um, and, and I'm totally fine for people to have different political opinions and for that to be their political opinion. Um, but like that started filling up the Instagram feed so, so, so much. And it was also like super associated with Christianity, like thinking Christians think this way. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that so much of that just got to be so, I don't know. It just, it felt like people on the other side who are like thinking Christians think this way, you know, I mean, it's, it's a both and, or, um, it's both and probably really, um, as far as political parties go. And I just got so tired of it that I muted her. And uh, I, I think that there's probably more of that. I think I'll probably see more of that when I get back on Instagram, uh, which I'm not excited about. But I am excited right. about my beauty feed, which is kind of how I consider Instagram. Yeah. And you're very good at that. You've long held that standard, I think. Well, you're the one that introduced me to the like, duh idea that I could just mute people. Um, mute, and mute, so mute. That, that definitely helps. Um, I am not on there very much at all. Um, not because I don't love the beauty side of it. I do. I think I don't like the weird way people kind of live on Instagram. Like, yeah. I, I actually, yeah. ironically, said this on Twitter yesterday that I feel like I'm running into more and more people who think I'm not online anymore because I'm not on Instagram much anymore. And so they equate yeah. the internet with Instagram. And that's strange to me. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying, hey, go all over the place and get addicted and waste too much time on these other platforms. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying um, that it's good to moderate your consumption and to maybe check other sources like read more long form. Um, Don't let Instagram replace your book reading, your article reading, your, you know, other forms of consumption of where you get the the information. Um, Because yeah, I see a lot more of that Twitter screenshot, which makes makes me think, gosh, are y'all just wanting Instagram to be Twitter? (laughs) Because there is Twitter, you could just go over there. Right. Um, But yeah, when it's used as a form of art, it's my favorite. I just started um, slowly. I I am not, I don't have a timeline for this, so I'm not in any hurry, but I uh, created a private account for me to just start following only people I know in real life plus art I like, which to me means literal art, like artists, painters, um, and gardening mostly, and then travel. Like those are my three forms of beauty that I really enjoy consuming on Instagram. And so I have a feeling I'm going to be just enjoying my, I mean, what I would, what I used to consider my personal account, which has now become a little bit more of just my public account. um, Because that's what I miss. That's what I think it should, where it shines really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I get why people are using, Instagram as a form of word communication, whether that's like, you know, Twitter screenshots or notepads or even word art. Like I get it. Like you have a very different kind of audience at Twitter. It's a, I mean, at uh, Instagram, it's a more curated type of audience. Um, It's people who are, who really are like coming to you, seeing a very limited feed um, and they're coming for a particular type of content. So I think of someone who uh, does that 
well to me. Um, Stephanie Smith, as we've, you know, mm. we've, we've had mm-hmm. her on the show. Um, yep. She uses her Instagram feed as a form of communication and the way that she uses words in that medium and form of communication are actually really well done. It's tasteful. It doesn't drive me bonkers. She always attributes her quotes. Um, She's not, you know, saying things that others have said and pawning it off as her own or slightly modifying the words so she can pawn it off as her own. I mean, and people go to her because they want that. And so who am I to say to Stephanie, stop doing that? Like, why? It, it It may not be like my preferred method of communication on Instagram. I may prefer photography. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but her audience wants that. And so, you know, definitely knowing your audience and giving your audience what they want. I like, I, I, I get that. I just simply don't use Instagram for audience. I I use it for me. (laughs) And that's gotta be okay too. That's gotta be okay Mm -hmm. too. Like I know, Publishers would prefer me to use it for audience building, and I just don't want to. No, I don't either. Here's the here's the thing that I think is helpful for anyone listening who might be a creator of some sort, musician, writer, what have you, um, that it's always good to remember who owns these social media platforms and that when you publish your content, any content on there, it doesn't technically belong to you. And so on a dime, it could change algorithm-wise. I mean, basically ask right. anybody who was big into blogging in like 2010 to 2013, where we would post our stuff on Facebook and it was just like bonkers, you know, viral. Well, then they changed their algorithm. And if you depended on Facebook for your livelihood, it just went away. And so always have your own home base, like be it a Substack newsletter, which they they explain in detail why the, the content is yours, your own website, your own podcast, your own whatever. Um, and just if you want to use these as like promotional tools, just kind of buyer beware in that regard that um, you're, you're the data, not the pro or what is it? You're the product, not the user. Yeah, and so product, yeah. Um, just be, be be mindful. Yeah. And there's a huge, there's actually a case study that could be done in Northwest Arkansas about this very thing. There was a company that grew massive in the sort of country outfitting space. If you know, you know, you probably know that I got pretty close to actually naming the brand, but um, (laughs) they got pretty big in that space and they had learned really to hack the algorithm of Facebook. And it was really genius, brilliant, great business model. And it, it blew up. The company blew up. And in fact, Facebook figured out that, oh, it, and Google, I think it was actually Google AdWords, but it's same, same, right? But, but Google and Facebook both figured out that, oh, these guys have like sort of figured out the algorithm and um, they changed the algorithm. And as a result of that, like the AdWords spend got, you know, there was less return on, 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 uh, investment for that. So they, they constantly would hmm. have to invest more to get the same return, same on Facebook. And as a result of that, a lot of people end up losing their jobs because the company went under. And I was talking to my friend who actually worked there last week. And I said, you know, this is a massive, massive potential for Instagram right now. Right now on Instagram, hmm. I can go and scroll through things and find influencers who are, uh, you know, promoting a book, I know for a fact that they're getting paid 
for these yep. Instagram posts, right? So yep. here's 150 bucks or whatever, you know, go say a good word about this book. And they do, and they get mm-hmm. paid for it. Instagram sees zero of that money. Zero. And so at some point, don't you think Instagram's going to say, look, all these influencers are making all this money posting content on our platform and getting paid through back channels to do it. We're changing the algorithm. We now have enough right. users that we're not going to allow that to happen. Instead, we're going to uh, boost our paid ads. You know, We don't want mm-hmm. people to see other people's ads. We want them to see our paid ads. And so we're going to tamp down those influencers. That's going to happen. Um, yeah. And so if people have built influencer networks, at some point, the algorithm is going to shift and you're going to go from getting 1,500, 2,000 likes to getting 100 likes. And, right. and, and that may not matter. You know, what, you know, as far as a rote number, who cares, right? But that is a mind trip on all of those people. <laughs> and, it, and it also, uh, in, if, in addition to being a mind trip and an ego hit, um, it's going to cost people really real dollars. So again, to your point, I think knowing why and how you're using it and knowing that you use it at the pleasure of the platform is super important. And that's why... I have decided I don't want to use it as an influencer network. I just want to use it to do the things I want to do, which is photography. Yeah. Amen. I think that's the best way to use it. That's the most life-giving, humane way to use it. I think it's helpful to remember who owns the thing. It's Meta. Meta does not have a great track record (laughs) of caring about its users. That's right. um, That's right. In a bajillion different ways. We won't get into that. So yeah, use it in a way that's life-giving. Stop at that line when it's no longer life-giving and it messes with your head. It's very tricky to know where that line is and where to stop. So I'm curious, Seth, do you have like a game plan or a method moving forward on how you're going to use Instagram so that it doesn't overconsume you or is that just not a problem for you? It, it's historically really not been a problem for me. Um, and, okay. and part of that's because I've muted so many accounts <laughs> and I've only really like kept the accounts of people that I actually like know and want to support their work. And, um, and then also, uh, you know, like I've said, like the, the beauty feed. So it's not as big of a deal for me. I, the one I have to be more vigilant on is Twitter Um, And the one that I historically had to be most vigilant on was Facebook. But about a year and a half ago, maybe two years, I just kind of stopped using it. Um, And I don't, I don't use it anymore at all. Like I don't even think to go there. Right. I don't either. I haven't, I stopped using it November 9th, 2016. No reason. Um, (laughs) And uh, to this, like, since then, I've had a Facebook feed eradicator extension, so I don't even see my feed. I left all groups except for our kids' school, and that's very reluctantly at that. I remember to check it like every two weeks. And I recently, actually, you can ask to export all your content, like from when you started, you know, in your feed, so photos and whatever. I just got that download. I'm debating deleting my account. I don't know. I I get mm. that there might be some reasons not to, but I can't think of them right now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, I'm hard pressed to think of it either. I do cross post. I, I just jumped on my Facebook feed just to look. And I recall that I do cross post, uh, my story, my Instagram stories or Instagram photos. 
uh, from Facebook uh, uh, to mm-hmm. Facebook. So, but as far as an intentional post on Facebook, like I go back, I mean, I'm all the way back into like June of 21 and I haven't seen anything that I've posted. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So June is the first time that I posted or the last time I posted something of 2021 and it was uh, f- for an episode of a drink with a friend. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so a year and, ago. and before yeah. that it was months. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, end of the day that's just not that's not what i'm gonna have to draw parameters around because i don't i don't use it enough but yeah that said um i i know for a fact that twitter is going to be the one where i have to you know Mm -hmm. just be careful and say i'm only going to use it for particular purposes um i'm only going to use it for a certain amount of time a day which is probably going to be less than five minutes a day um Mm -hmm. and then after that i'm just going to cut it off and and, and not use it. And I'm only use it for, for things, uh, hopefully like, you know, if I have to do book promotion or some light banter about something or to look up news, economics, stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll use Twitter for that yeah. because I think it's a good tool for that. Yeah. Good plan. Um, kind of a final thought I have is that I don't have Twitter on my phone. I only use it on my computer. And if I do use it on my phone, I have to like log on to my web browser and it's a total pain. So I just kind of only do it. Yeah. Like I can think of a handful of times when I've quote needed it. Um, I have to close out that tab. Otherwise it becomes a temptation to like just mindlessly scroll and wait, what am I doing? This is dumb. Um, I don't have Instagram on my phone. I have to download it if I want to do anything about it. I know a number of the ladies in my mastermind group do that too, just because we want to keep it in its rightful place. So um, there are ways to do that so that you don't feel this addiction um, in your pocket. You know, if you keep your phone an instrument and not a device, then you have to create those bumpers like in a bowling alley to keep you from going off the rails, you know? And for me, that's one of them, like just not even having the apps on the devices. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I'll say further to, to, to put the rails up. I mean, it may just be that you need to take some time off. I, I mean, if, if mm-hmm. six months has sort of taught me anything, it's that this time off has been really good to sort of recalibrate and reset my brain and to help me think through how am mm-hmm. I going to go back with intention? Um, yeah. Because that's the ultimate goal is that we do everything with intention. Um, yeah, good for and, you. And, and this is an intentional act, but sometimes you need to take significant breaks in order to go back to something with intention. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Hard agree. And so, you know, not to put you on the spot, but are you thinking of doing anything for the second half of 22? Or are you just going to let that be what you did the first half of the year and then just be a normal person the rest of the year? I may, yeah, I may let that be what I did this year. And then I may come up with something for the next, you know, for for January through June of next year and just kind of like start to, to, to play this by your, also, I think, I mean, I don't know yet. I don't have any plans to do anything, but I might break my, social media the fast before you know the last day of june because i think i'm at the point of diminishing returns to be honest so sure uh you know it may be that i let a tweet fly next week or that i let an instagram post fly next week i don't have anything but if yeah. the the mood or the thought strikes me you know you, you might see me there before the uh, mm-hmm. six month experiment is over yeah fair enough make you know we so, do these things to make yeah. them work for us not yeah to be beholden yeah well cool i'm not I'm glad a to, hear. Slave and next, to the rule 
That's right. And next week, we'll talk about my rule to what I did the first half of 22, because I learned very similar things about that. Um, it's interesting how we had two vastly about. different habits or whatever you want to call these fasts. And yet, um, there's a lot of overlap in lessons learned. So yet. that so is excited. to be continued. So with that in mind, so Seth, what is something in your life right now that's adding more beauty? Well, I am actually reading Man and His Symbols by Carl Jung. So I started uh, Cloud Cuckoo Land and I, by the way, really loved, as I think I mentioned. Um, And then I had to go on to something else and then I had to go on to something else. And so I got distracted again from this book. Um, and, And this was sort of a work read, oddly, which we'll have to unpack later. But um, Man and His Symbols by Carl Jung. It is astounding. I think the guy was uh, freaking crazy, but also a genius, which is uh, amazing. Yeah. And he, he, the, it's like, it's almost unfair. It's how I've sort of described N.T. Wright. You know, like, how mm. can you be such a deep thinker, a great philosopher and theologian and amazing writer? It's not fair. You should go away. Um, I feel the same <laughs> way about Carl Jung. He's like such a poetic writer, uh, uh-huh. at least in the translation. He's um, an insanely deep thinker, and he's asking questions that make perfect sense to ask, and mm-hmm. I would have never thought to ask. So uh, anyway, I'm just astounded by this work, and that's what I'm reading. It's bringing, I don't know what, I don't know if, I, I don't even know if, truth beauty and goodness is like a good rubric for what i feel like it's just insightful i bet it is i bet there's truth beauty and goodness all wrapped up in there i mean when we talk about truth beauty and goodness it doesn't mean within the strict confines of you know a certain theology or doctrine (laughs) yeah sure sure but it but even still like it, it i just feel sometimes like oh man i i'm not quite it, this isn't quite scratching the surface. Like it's so much bigger than that. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's how I feel about this yeah. this work. Really so, good. Anyway, good. Um, cool. what about you? What are you uh, reading, watching, listening to? What's bringing beauty, truth, and goodness yeah. to your life? Well, I don't know if you saw this, but Word on Fire started a Liturgy of the Hour subscription. And it is really affordable. It's like seven bucks a month or something. And you end up with this big fat, book every month. Um, nothing fancy. You can tell it's it's done economically, but still well done, like well designed with good font choices, good art within it. And it is a monthly, I, I guess devotional, but it is the literal liturgy of the hours done in a way that's hmm. really accessible for us normals. You know, um, this is a prayer that um, those of the cloth tend to immerse themselves in on a daily basis, but it is highly mm-hmm. recommended that um, us lay people do it too. And so what they have done is they've created this um, subscription where, you know, I'm, I'm holding in my hands right now, June 2022, it's the first one available. And all you do is you just flip to the day and it's got the morning prayer, the evening prayer, the night prayer, and it's lovely. And it it looks long, but it's actually not. It takes 10 to 15 minutes in the morning, 10 to 15 minutes in the evening. And it's been Mm. a really nice rhythm to my day. Um, I I don't do it perfectly, but I keep it on the nightstand. And when it, when it's possible, I do it and I'm so grateful for it. So I'm going to keep subscribing for the foreseeable future. Um, Yeah. So I'll put a link in the show notes. If anyone's curious, there's no kickback to me or anything. Um, But it's just a great, 
resource and I'm, I'm grateful for them for going out of their way to make this easier to read for the rest of us. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, good job. Yeah. Keep doing that. I love it. Yeah. Love to hear it. All right, guys, it's time to wrap this one up. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drink with a There is still room for you to join us in Tuscany. There's just a few more spots, but um, yeah, you're welcome to come. It's shaping up really nicely. I'm excited to get to know that 90% of the people that I do not know on this trip. Um, So join me and Seth and Amber in, whoa, like uh, uh, six weeks. That's crazy. Yeah, Uh, just a a few weeks. That's nuts. All right. Uh, you can find me and how to connect with me, especially via my Substack newsletter at tishoxenwriter.com. Seth, how about you? They can find me at sethhaines.substack.com. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram <laughs> at sethhaines because I'm going to be dropping photographs soon. Like bombs, go. baby. Very cool. All right. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. Editing is by Kyle Oxenreiter. I'm Tish Oxenreiter with Seth, and we'll be back here again with you soon. Thanks for listening.